Welcome listeners to the Overlook Podcast, which is one of the podcasts that is produced by Tunuka Media. I'm your host, Yemi, and every week I bring you Overlook stories from all over the world. The world is a vast and diverse place, so these stories will include the good, the bad, and the weird. Be sure to come back each week, share the podcast with your friends, and hit the magic subscribe button. To get regular updates on the show and what we're up to, connect with Tunuka Media on social media. Your support is priceless, so don't forget to give a like or a high rating wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Now, it's time for this week's episode. Hello, if you're new to the Overlook podcast, welcome. If you have been here before, thanks for coming back. Our highlight story this week is on a 70-year-old man from England who rode across the Atlantic to raise money for Alzheimer's. Other stories include sea foam that essentially blanketed the whole town in Ireland, allegations that Amazon pushed for a change in the duration of traffic lights in order to derail unionization efforts, and news that scientists have now found a way to exchange messages with people who are dreaming. Yeah. So, let's just get right into the stories for this week. In our first story this week, we travel to the village of Bonmahon in County Waterford, which is located in the Republic of Ireland. Pictures have surfaced this week that show the village is essentially covered in seafoam. From the streets and homes to treetops, everything was covered in a white sea of foam. The foam has the appearance of frothy soap, lather, or milk froth. It is covering everything as far as the eyes can see in the video I watched. Click on the very first link on the blog to take a look and it is so fascinating. According to the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, sea foam forms when dissolved organic matter in the ocean is churned up. Sea foam is actually a global phenomenon. It is created when seawater is churned. I mean, think of smashing against the shore continuously. It is particularly prevalent when it contains higher concentrations of dissolved organic matter, including proteins, lignins, and lipids, and derived from sources such as the offshore breakdown of algal blooms. I had to Google algal blooms as well. So algal blooms happen when there is a very fast increase in the population of algae. So these compounds, and I mean the proteins, lignins, and lipids, can act as foaming agents. As the seawater is churned, the solvents trap air and form persistent bubbles. According to Ocean Watch Australia, most seafoam is not even harmful to humans and is often an indication of a productive ocean ecosystem. But the issue comes when large harmful algal blooms decay near the shore. Then there is potential for impacts to human health and the environment. The resulting aerosol from some popping sea foam bubbles can then irritate the eyes of beachgoers and pose some health risk for those who have asthma or other respiratory conditions. You guys need to just check out that video. It is weird and cool at the same time. According to the first official report from a special court set up under a peace accord, Colombia's military carried out at least 6,400 extrajudicial killings and presented them as combat deaths between the years 2002 and 2008. The number is almost three times higher than previous estimates. The courts, 
which is called the Special Jurisdiction for Peace, or SJP, is in the process of investigating crimes and atrocities committed during half a century of armed conflict between government troops and the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, also known as FARC. The Special Jurisdiction for Peace has a 10-year mandate. Until last year, the Public Prosecutor's Office had only acknowledged 2,249 executions of civilians between the years 1988 and 2014, most of which happened between the years 2006 and 2008, during the presidency of Alvaro Uribe. Although the military high command has historically denied that there was a systematic policy of declaring in quotes, false positives, which are illegitimate deaths that are presented as casualties of combat. Some soldiers and officials have now told the court that they were put under pressure by superiors to inflate the success of their military operations against the rebels. Victims were generally young men between the ages of 18 and 30, and many worked as farmers or informal workers in the peripheries of the city. General Mario Montoya which was the army commander at the time, has denied ordering the execution of civilians despite several witnesses blaming him. He was the highest-ranking military figure to have testified before the court. According to the lawyer representing Montoya, there were 2,140 military personnel currently under investigation over extrajudicial killings, which is less than 1% of the total number of troops operating in the army at the time. So the court is now looking into the worst rights abuses committed by guerrillas, paramilitaries, and soldiers during the conflict. Those who confess responsibility and compensate the victims have the opportunity to avoid prison time. But those who do not may potentially face up to 20 years in jail. It is worth noting that the court has not convicted anyone since it was set up in the year 2018. Concerns have been raised by both the families of the victims and by Human Rights Watch that the current process being followed by the Special Jurisdiction for Peace contains certain ambiguities and loopholes that could then allow senior officers responsible for false positive killings to escape meaningful justice. The Human Rights Watch flagged an issue with the definition of command responsibility that the Special Jurisdiction for Peace will apply when it prosecutes army commanders. The current Colombian definition is based on an amendment to the Colombian Constitution that was passed in the year 2017 that the organization says is out of sync with international law. The area of misalignment, as I understand it, is in the definition of if a commander had a direct ability to control behavior or not. The Colombian definition essentially says that a commander ought to have a direct responsibility or reporting relationship to be responsible for the actions. So that means if a commander directs person A and that person directs person B and then C, the commander would only be responsible for the actions of person A that got the direct order, but not person C that received the order sequentially. Under international law, however, the responsibility for A, B, and C would have to be determined based on evidence presented during the proceedings. That is my understanding of the article and the research from Human Rights Watch. Lawyers for General Mario Montoya, who commanded the army between the years 2006 and 2008, appear to be arguing along the lines that he did not have a direct oversight on the units involved in the crime. The story is still evolving.
According to reporting by More Perfect Union, Amazon reportedly changed the timing of a traffic light right outside the warehouse as part of an ongoing fight over an Alabama warehouse's efforts to unionize. More Perfect Union reported that a Jefferson County public official has now confirmed that Amazon asked for the traffic light patterns to be altered outside its Alabama warehouse. Union organizers at the site had already accused the company of altering the timing so that pro-union workers would not be able to canvass workers while they were stopped at the light. According to The Verge, on December 15th, the county increased the green light's duration in an effort to clear workers of the site faster, and there was no indication that the county was aware of the ongoing union organization drive or any effects that the traffic light changes might have on the unionization efforts. According to some media outlets, the increased green light duration affected the organization efforts because reliable red lights on the drive to the factory was one of the only places where union organizers could then speak to workers uninhibited by U.S. labor law, which applies once a worker is on the work site. On the work site, Amazon has the rights to forbid non-union work conversations during work hours. However, instead of a reliable red light pause in which to engage in conversation, Amazon workers exiting the highway have been getting a green light which not only gets them to work earlier, but prevents even the most convivial worker from talking with union reps. Workers at the Bessemer Warehouse began their seven-week union election process on February the 8th, seeking to form a union under the Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. Workers at the warehouse have said that one of the primary issues driving the unionization push is Amazon's grueling and automatically enforced productivity metrics, a complaint that prompted demonstrations at other Amazon facilities as well. The Verge reports that Amazon has vigorously contested the effort, posting anti-unionization flyers throughout the factory, most noticeably in the bathroom. They further report that in advance of the official vote, Workers also received a flood from Amazon warning of potential negative consequences from unionization. Amazon has apparently not responded to media requests for comment. This next story is like the movie Inception, but in real life. Scientists have now identified a new phenomenon that they have described as interactive dreaming. With interactive dreaming, people who are experiencing deep sleep and lucid dreaming are able to follow instructions, answer simple yes or no questions, and even solve basic math problems. So for you folks that think math can follow you into your dreams, sorry, there is no escape. (laughs) The story has implications for the growing body of research into dreams, memory, and how important sleep is in memory formation and storage. It may also prove helpful to those with sleep disorders. The peer-reviewed study was carried out by a team of scientists at Northwestern University in the United States and published under the title Real-Time Dialogue Between Experimenters and Dreamers During REM Sleep. 23-year-old Danush Nene Sengakyo, who was the head of a child modeling agency in Thailand, has been charged with child abuse and downloading child abuse images. 
Investigators say that the images were found in a raid on the Nini Modeling Agency, which is one of the best-known child modeling agencies in Thailand. According to police, the modeling agency was used as a front to distribute illicit content involving children. When authorities raided the agency's office, they discovered over half a million child pornographic images stored in its computer hard drives. The Department of Special Investigation, or DSI, led the raid on the office, which was the culmination of a months-long operation that began with a tip-off from the Australian police. The DSI has charged Mr. Dunadet with importing pornographic images into a computer system and for abusing minors, among others. Ex-Ugandan rebel commander Dominic Ongwen has been convicted of war crimes at the International Criminal Court. Thursday's historic ruling also saw him convicted of forced pregnancy, a legal first in the International Court. This means that forced pregnancy and forced marriage are now internationally recognized as war crimes at the International Criminal Court of The Hague in the Netherlands. This means that forced pregnancy and forced marriage are now internationally recognized as war crimes at the International Criminal Court of The Hague in the Netherlands. The landmark war crimes case expands the world's collective understanding of how sexual gender-based violence is used as a tactic of war. Ongwen was a feared commander of the notorious Lord's Resistance Army, or LRA, and is the first member of the LRA to appear before the court. He was convicted on 61 of the 70 counts of crimes against humanity and war crimes he faced. The charges relate to attacks on four camps for internationally displaced people in Uganda in the year 2004. More than 4,000 victims provided testimony in the ICC case. Ongwen's sentence is to be handed down at a later date. He could face life imprisonment after being convicted of war crimes, crimes against humanity, murder, rape, torture, sexual enslavement, and pillaging, among other things. As a legal precedent, he was convicted of the crime of forced pregnancy, committed against seven women. The LRA, led by Joseph Kony, was formed in Uganda where it said its goal was to install a government based on the Biblical Ten Commandments. You may remember Joseph Kony from the 2012 viral social media campaign Hashtag Kony2012, which was released by the California-based nonprofit Invisible Children. Let's not even get into the controversy around the charity's less than stellar reputation, but let's get back to the main story. Forced pregnancy and forced marriage were a critical tactic within the military operation of the LRA. Many girls and women, especially preteen virgins, in these areas were abducted by the LRA during this time and enslaved as bushwives for the LRA's top commanders. These girls were closely monitored and considered property. According to a report by CAP International, an organization that fights against sexual exploitation, and Watye Kigen, an organization of female survivors working to protect and empower children born of the war. The girls were expected to bear and care for children, farm, cook, clean, as well as fight in the LRE, which was an impossible burden of labor that led to regular psychological and physical torture when a girl failed to meet the demands of her husband abuser. The survivors of the sexual and gender-based war crimes have had difficulty reintegrating into society, facing stigma for their abduction and sexual abuse, as well as resentment for their forced participation in carrying out violence against others. Many have actually returned HIV positive or with scars or disabilities from their abuse. 
The formal recognition is definitely a move in the right direction. But hopefully, the victims can start to have at least some closure. To round out this episode, we're going to go to England, where Frank Rothwell from Oldham has become the oldest person to row unassisted across the Atlantic Ocean, raising more than a million dollars for Alzheimer's research. Rothwell's journey was also a tribute to his brother-in-law, who died at 62 years old from Alzheimer's disease. He set off from the Canary Islands on December the 12th and crossed the finish line in Antigua 56 days later, completing the 3,000-mile journey a week ahead of schedule. Rothwell hopes his donation will help find a life-changing treatment for the disease. And with that, my friends, we are wrapping up the episode for this week. Pop in to say hi over on the Tunoka Media Instagram page. We love hearing from you guys. This is a good week to have a good week. So, have a good week. Connect with you on the next episode. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to tune in every week for a new episode. Overlooked is a Tunica Media production, which also includes shows like Africa in My Kitchen with more on the way. So follow Tunica Media on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter to be in the loop. Until next time, have yourself a great week ahead.